If you have a Bible, then that's awesome. Good job having a Bible. Uh, Open up to John 10. If you do not have one with you, you may borrow one of the many. John, Gospel of John, chapter 10, please. Uh, This message has the potential to totally change your life. Not to oversell it. Uh, And I think there are probably some people here for whom that will be true. So come into it with expectation, not of Nate, but of the Lord and his awesomeness and his word. Amen? Okay, John 10. I'm going to move around a little bit, but I'm going to start on verse 2. In case you didn't get the memo, the topic tonight is how to hear the voice of God. Some of you are in a position where you could be the ones doing this teaching, which is fantastic. And so if you are a pro at hearing the voice of God, I'd like you to listen tonight from the point of view of thinking about how to teach others how to do this. Does that make sense? Okay. Some of, for some of you, this, some of it will be a review. Some of it might be new. But think about this not just for yourself. Think about it from a discipleship point of view. Think about it from the point of view is how do I teach others how to hear the voice of God? Because when people come to the Lord or come back to the Lord after being away for a while or whatever, one of the first things that we should teach them is how to hear God's voice. It's one of the first things that we should teach them how to do. And so you, all of you here, are eventually, probably pretty soon, going to be in a position where you're mentoring someone or discipling someone or hanging out with someone, and hanging out with someone is just discipleship, Um, and you're going to be in a position where you can help them Learn how to hear God's voice, okay? Because you are the church, right? You're the ministers. Some of us are equippers. Everybody's a minister. All of you are in the discipleship biz. Remember, Jesus said, go, therefore, make disciples, okay? And so at some point, you're going to be in a position where you can teach someone else how to hear God's voice. It is one of the most life-giving things you can teach them. So think about this from that point of view as well as just for yourself, okay? Cool? We good? All right. Thank you, Paul. By the way, thanks for lowering the bar tonight and being like, it doesn't have to be about the preaching. It's like, you know, it's about you and all this other stuff and all these words. So don't worry about it. I appreciate that. Kind of brings it down a bit. So John 10. These are Jesus' words. Verse 2, for a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. And then you can skip down, verse 27. My sheep recognize my voice, period, end of sentence. I know them, and they follow me. You can learn how to hear God's voice. You can learn how to recognize his voice. You can learn how to discern the voice of God from all the many voices in the world, which is a big deal right now. There's a lot of voices out there, and not all of them are Jesus. Amen? But you can learn how to recognize where is, the, where is Jesus, where is the Spirit of God, and you can learn how to follow him. This is a promise to all of us. We can learn how to hear God's voice. And... The metaphor he uses here of shepherd and sheep is probably one that is beyond a lot of us, since if we grew up in the cities or other metropolitan area, a lot of us don't know 
what a sheep even looks like for real. Uh, most of us have never been around sheep. Um, this is not a kind metaphor. When Jesus says he's the shepherd and we're the sheep, that's kind of a diss. Sheep are dumb. Like, not just like they're not smart, like they're thunderously stupid animals. Sheep, like, if a, if a, if a flock of sheep is moving in a certain direction and the first couple fall over a cliff, they'll all go over the cliff. Just, I guess we're doing this now, going over this cliff. Here we go. They are really dumb. Okay, I know a shepherd in Wisconsin where I work, um, which is a place where they have animals still. And um, lots of animals. I got all this, like, beef from this highland cow that grew, like, grazed in this guy's lawn, and it's, like, the best ground beef ever. Okay, so there are perks to pastoring in Wisconsin. Um, sheep are dumb. Way, way dumb. If a sheep gets its little hoof thing, this is a sheep hoof. Okay. Sheep hoof. If a sheep gets its hoof caught in its wool, it freaks out and freezes and does not move. It does not eat. It does not do anything. It just stands still. It won't even bend down its head to eat grass. It'll literally starve to death because its hoof is caught in its wool. Yeah, dumb animals. In his head, he's like, something happened. I don't have enough legs. I don't know what to do. I guess this is it. I'm just going to die now. Sheep are dumb animals. And so when Jesus says this, all the people listening who understood the whole shepherd metaphor, some of them were shepherds, were like, thanks. But it makes a point. If sheep are stupid and they can learn how to hear God's voice, then how much more can you? I guarantee you everybody here is way smarter than a sheep. The smartest sheep, the, the Einstein of the sheep world, okay, sheep and hawking is nowhere near as smart as the dumbest person in here. I just made that up. You like that? Sheep and hawking? Bah. So... <laughs> If sheep can learn how to hear the voice of their shepherd, you can way learn how to hear the voice of Jesus. Like way. Like no big deal, not even close, okay? It's easy stuff. Um, I read this great, great story. I think it was Dutch sheep, but I'm not sure. Somebody, somebody not me, was in Israel on like a prayer thing. They were praying in the different places Jesus prayed. I'm like, I want to do that, God. But I haven't yet. Anyway, so he's on this hill praying, and there's a well at the bottom of the hill, and a shepherd comes with his flock, and he's like, oh, this is so bible I love it. And then another shepherd comes with his flock, and then another shepherd comes with his flock, and it goes from, oh, this is so bible to, oh, no, this is a mess. These shepherds are dumb. All the sheep are mixing up. They're all, like, everywhere. Like, there's the blue tag sheep and the red tag sheep and the orange tag sheep. They're everywhere. There's hundreds and hundreds of mixed up sheep. The three shepherds are sitting there eating their MLTs, uh, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. And, um, hey, shepherds eat, shepherds eat lamb. It's the way it is. Um, and this guy's like, I have to wait. I have to figure out how this ends. I have to see how these shepherds separate all these sheep. This is going to be crazy. So he waits and he watches. And eventually the sheep, shepherds are done. They're like, see you later in Hebrew. And then they walk away, each in their own separate direction. And after a few feet, they just start singing a song. And as soon as all the shepherds start singing, all the sheep pop up their stupid little sheep heads. And they look around and they hop along after their shepherd. As the shepherd walks away singing. Every single sheep followed the right shepherd. Not one got mixed up. The shepherds did nothing. They just walked away singing a song. All the sheep followed the right shepherd. And the guy who, who was watching this was like, this is amazing. And I was like, this is a great example for my thing. Um, we can learn how to hear the voice of God like that. 
Because that's exactly what happens in this passage. He says uh, in verse 4, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. God wants us to learn how to hear his voice. We're his beloved sheep. He's our shepherd. He wants us to learn how to do this. We can do this. If a sheep can do it, so can you. All right. That's the intro. What do you think? Thanks. Wow. I thought I was going to be the cheesy one tonight, and I was just out cheesed. Uh, it's going to take me a minute to recover from that. Um, all right. Uh, tonight, I'm going to focus on um, the reasons we don't hear God speak to us. I just got done saying God speaks to us. He wants us to learn. The reality is he's speaking to all of us all the time. A lot of us don't hear his voice or don't hear his voice nearly as much as we'd like to. And there are reasons. There are reasons we are not hearing the voice of God the way he wants us to. And we're going to talk about those and figure out how to listen better so that we can hear God speak to us more. Does that sound like a good thing? Okay. At any given time, we have five different relationships going on with God at the same time. Five different aspects of our relationship with God, okay? God is our Father, right? These are all from the Bible. God is our Father. God is our friend. He's our lover. He's our master or our Lord or our boss. And he's Almighty God. I wrote him up on the board in my lovely handwriting. We have five different relationships with God going on simultaneously, all right? That's complex, right? It's very complex. He is all of these things for all of us all the time. God is always all of these things. Now, there might be a season in your life where God focuses on one aspect of that relationship or two over the others. And maybe some of us have experienced that. Maybe some of us have spent a lot of time relating to God as our father, but we've never related to God as our lover, for example. Okay? Almighty God, that's sort of the worship relationship. He's God, we worship, we adore. That's all there is to it. Um, father is pretty self-explanatory. Friend is that friend that's closer than a brother. Jesus says, you're no longer my servants, you're friends, because I tell you what I'm planning to do. We're equals, co-equals with Christ. Crazy Bible. Um, and then master, our Lord, our boss. All those things are happening all the time. Does that make sense? Okay. It gets complicated because many of us only are used to relating to God in one or two of those areas, and not in the others. When it comes to listening to the voice of God, many of us only listen to God in one of those aspects. Okay? Think of it like a radio. You know what a radio is? It's that thing we used to get music on before we had MP3s. Yeah, it's this weird thing. You have one in your car, probably. Um, it's like a radio. Radio stations, all the radio stations are playing all the time. Right? You're only going to hear the one that you're tuned into. The frequency that you're tuned to is the only thing you're going to hear. If you're listening to the news, you're not hearing the Twins game. Right? Usually, unless the Twins game's about the news, or your radio's broken. Um, most of us have our radio stuck on one station. Maybe two, once in a while. And so we think, why doesn't God speak to us enough? Because I'm listening to God all the time. But you're only listening to God all the time in one of these. Let's say this one. Let's say you really have a heart for worship, and you're listening to God as Almighty God, and you as his worshiper, the one who adores him. Okay? Let's say you listen to God all the time in this but you don't listen in these, right? 
That's one out of five, so you're missing roughly 80% of what God's saying. Math. Does that make sense? Okay, so there are these this complex relationship with God. If we're not listening to God in these other areas, we're not going to possibly hear it. If we never tune our radio to the right station, we're not going to hear what's happening, even though God is speaking all the time. That is one of the main reasons why we don't hear God speak as much as we want to hear him speak, because we are relating to him in only one way. And God has many ways in which he wants to relate to us. Everybody with me? Okay. So how do we fix that? We get better at listening to God in all these different aspects. Okay, and that's something we grow in over time. Um, we can say, God, who do you want to be for me right now? Who do you want to be for me right now? Who, who are you for me today, right now, in this place? Are you trying to relate to me as my father? And I am your son? And there's obedience there, but there's love there. There's encouragement there. Or are you relating to me as master and boss, and I'm supposed to salute and obey without griping? There's a big difference. Because if we perceive God is saying something to us that's as our friend, but it's actually as master, we might not hop to it the way God wants us to, right? Whereas when the Lord says something and he expects us to obey, he expects us to obey. Not to banter words back and forth about whether or not it's interesting. Um, So understanding the relationship with God um, and these aspects and where we are at at any given time is really important to being able to hear God's voice. And we want to try to tune in to the different stations. Tune in to the different aspects of our relationship with God once in a while. To say, God, just as you pray, just say, God, is there anything you want to say to me right now as my father? And just wait. Another one of the reasons we don't hear God is we never bother listening. But that's another point. Um, okay, pause for just a second. The way we communicate is different in different relationships that we have with different people. Okay? In a business relationship, the primary purpose for communication is information. Okay? If you're in a job, the primary reason you talk to other people in your job is information. You need information to get your job done. You need to give that other person information to finish their task. You collaborate together, give the boss information. The boss throws it out and gives you another job to do, whatever it is. Right? The primary purpose for communication in a business relationship is information. Are we with me so far? The primary purpose for communication in a personal relationship is not information. It's intimacy. The reason you communicate with someone you have a personal relationship, like a friend, is because you want to hang out with them. You want to enjoy their company. You want to get to know them better. It's not about information. I could say, Bob, tell me three things you did today. I went canoeing, I brushed my teeth, and I put on this nice shirt. Excellent. Canoeing, brush teeth, shirt. I just got three pieces of information about him. Does that mean I know him better now? Not really. I know things about him, but I don't necessarily know him that much better. Okay? I've read, read a book about Abraham Lincoln. I do not know Abraham Lincoln. Never met the guy. Could have once. I had a time machine for a short time. It's a long story. Um, never met Abraham Lincoln. Read a book about him. Know a lot of information about Abraham Lincoln. Never met Abraham Lincoln. Okay? You can know a lot about someone or get a lot of information transferred back and forth, and it doesn't actually increase that personal relationship very much. The primary purpose of communication in a personal relationship is intimacy, growing closer to the other person. 
understanding who they are, understanding their heart, getting to know them, hanging out with them, having fun with them. Um, now, well, let me, let me give you an example that you might not like, but I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what I do. Let's say you're going to have your quiet time. So you sit down. Um, let's say you picture Jesus next to you here in your quiet time. And let's say you got a, a nice devotional book, right? Good devotional book. So you sit down for your quiet time, and you're like, hey, Jesus, how's it going? I'm excited to have this time with you now. A- amen. I'm going to read this book about you. Jesus is right here. You're reading a book about Jesus. Jesus is right there. Wow, that was awesome. Thank you. I'm going to pray now. Blah, 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 blah. Me speaking a bunch of words and never listening. Amen. That was a fantastic prayer time. I'm glad I got to know you so much better. Amen. Now, that used to be my my quiet time. My quiet time was not time spent in relationship with God. It was time spent in study about God. And there's a difference. Learning about God is good. Studying about God is good. It does help our relationship with God, but it's not the same thing as spending time with him. I read a book about the dude. He's sitting here. He's right here. I could have talked to him. I could have gotten to know him. I could have spent time with him. Instead, my time with God was me reading about him, and then prayer was me saying a bunch of stuff to him, and that was it. Now, reading your Bible is great. Reading devotional literature is great. Praying and saying things to God in prayer is wonderful. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's something missing for a lot of us in our relationship with God, and that's actually relating to God. Spending time with him, getting to know him as a person, listening to him. Does that make sense at all? Anybody relate to that quiet time thing a tiny bit? Okay. Now look at these relationships again. Think about the business relationship, the purpose of which is information. The personal relationship, the purpose of which is intimacy. Which relationships are these, personal or business? Okay, I think that would be pretty personal. Personal, personal. I'd call that business. I'd call that personal. It's a different kind of personal than those, but personal. So of the five aspects of our relationship with God, four of them are personal. One of them is business. Okay? Now, communication in the sense of business is primarily about information, but that's only one of the five. Most Christians, when they listen to God, are listening only for information. Let that sink in for a second. Most Christians that I have talked to about this, when, when I say, well, what is it like for you? How do you listen to the voice of God? What do you ask God for, and what do you listen for? It's almost exclusively information. And that's only one of these four. Everybody with me? Am I losing you? Falling asleep? These are personal. This is personal. Four out of the five, that's 80% again of our relationship with God is personal in nature, which means most of what God says to us is not going to be information. It's going to be for the purpose of intimacy. Most of what God says to you is about you and your relationship with him. It's about him and how he relates to you. Most of what God says to you is about you and him and your relationship with him. Most of what God says to you is about you and him and your relationship with him. Are you hearing me? Most of what God says to you is not about information so you can be a better servant. He does do that. Absolutely he does it. And it's wonderful. And we thank him for it. We all want to be better servants. Everybody here. Right? 
But that's only one small part of our relationship with God, and it's not the majority of our relationship with God, and it's not the most important parts of our relationship with God. Most of what God says to us is about our personal relationship with him. Most of his communication with us is about us for the purpose of intimacy with us, growing closer with us. God wants to grow closer to you. He wants you to come to him. He wants that relationship to be stronger. Most of what he says to you is going to be about that. It's going to be about you and him together. That's most of what God says to you. And if we are only listening to this part here, we're missing most of what he's saying. Okay? Everybody with me? Do not feel condemned if that is you. Please. I've been here. A lot of us are here at some point. Don't feel condemned if that's you. Many, many Christians seek God and listen to God solely for the purpose of information. God, I need to know this so I can do this. God, I need more information about this. I need, I need to know what's going on. But most of what God wants to say to us isn't information. It's personal. Now, if there's information in there, right? Like, I love you, that's information from a certain point of view, right? But, but it's, it's not a task. It's not the same thing. D- did that make any sense at all? Okay. So we don't hear because we're listening only for information. We're not listening for the personal aspects, for our personal relationship with God. That's why many times we are not hearing him. Okay? God's not Google. Right? He will tell us things. There's such thing as a word of knowledge, but that's not what God does. Else, God doesn't text. It would be awesome if God texted, right? This is my will for you, blah. Right? Wouldn't that be neat? He doesn't do that. He could do that. Right? God could obviously text. Why doesn't God text? Or email? Or any of that? Or Facebook. Why doesn't God do that? Because he's relational. He knows he needs to coax us into spending time with him. And he knows that what we want is the information. We want to know what's going on. Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do for my job? Should I move? Should I kick out my roommate? He's driving me nuts. Give me the information. I need to know what to do. God knows that's how we are. And so he says, I will tell you that stuff, but you have to come to me to do it. He's not mean. It's not a trick. Okay? God doesn't sell Amway. No offense to Amway. Like... (laughs) That was me. Um, Like, that's not what it's about. It's that God knows that the most important thing that he can give us is himself. He knows that the most important thing for us is our relationship with him. The most important thing that we can do is get closer to God. He knows that. He knows we don't get that. And so he says, all this stuff you want, you can have, but you have to come to me. It all comes from the relationship. Cool? With me? All right. Thank you. That was not okay. So the primary purpose of our communication with God is intimacy. The primary purpose of our communication with God is intimacy. It's about our relationship with him. Um, how many of you are uh, familiar with the story of Mary and Martha? Sounds familiar. Luke, it's somewhere in the Bible. It's actually Luke 10 if you want to look there. Luke 10, uh, 38 and following. I'm going to read this now. Uh, this is the house of Lazarus. You guys recall Lazarus? Jesus rose him from the dead, sort of famous. Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, are probably Jesus' best friends, you know, outside of the disciples. So he's just going to chill out, hanging with his friends. Verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care 
You hear that? Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and that will not be taken away from her. Okay? So what's going on here? Mary chooses to spend time in the relationship with Jesus. Martha chooses to serve Jesus. The master-servant thing. Service is good. Right? We could all agree on that. Serving God is wonderful. We should all do it. Don't hear me saying anything else. But our relationship with God is more important than our service to God. They are not the same thing. And it is clear that our relationship with God is more important than our service to God. Not just because God speaks to us more about the relationship, although that's part of it, but he desires us more than he desires our service. He desires our heart. He desires to have a relationship with us. That is more important to him than us serving him. And so Martha, according to her culture, was dictated that she had to serve. She had to get ready, you know, get him a meal. So she made him a Sea of Galilee fish sandwich. And, you know, she's like doing all this stuff and working really hard. And what happens, okay? So her priorities are out of whack, right? Our priority is supposed to be relationship with Jesus, and then somewhere down here, serving Jesus. And she's got it backwards, right? She's put serving above the relationship. They're not the same, and she's mixed it up. She's put serving first. What does it mean for her? She ends up angry. She ends up bitter. She ends up doubting the affection of Jesus for her. Look at what she says. Lord, don't you care? Don't you even care? That's what happens when we put serving God ahead of our relationship with God. That's what happens actually anytime our relationship with God isn't first in our life. Anytime the relationship with God isn't first. Whenever our priorities are messed up, we start to get bitter. We start to get angry. We start to get upset. She scolds Jesus Christ. Straight up. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. Like, what? Tell her to help me. And Jesus is like, no, because she's right and you're wrong. Sorry, I love you, but you're wrong. Um, the relationship with God is more important than serving God, Period. And there are some people here who maybe need to hear that really strongly. I, in my life, in the past, needed to hear that really strongly. I really loved Jesus. I was a hardcore Christian, and I really wanted to serve him. I really wanted to see people come to Jesus, people delivered, people freed, people on fire. I wanted to see all these things. Serving God became an idol. And eventually, it became an idol that usurped my desire to actually relate to God. And that is absolutely 100% not okay. Serving God is wonderful, but our relationship with God has to come first. And Jesus is very, very clear that Mary chose the right thing. And when we don't, when that gets out of whack, then we get angry, we get bitter, we start yelling at God, and we doubt his love for us. Jesus, don't you even care. Um, We don't want to be there, right? We don't want to be there. So don't let serving or anything else get ahead of your relationship with God. What he cares about most of all is being with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to have that intimate relationship with you. Most of what he says to you is going to be about that relationship. All right, let's pause. Any questions? Uh-huh. We're going to talk about that primarily tomorrow. But the Bible says to test a word. Any word that we get that we think is from God, whether it's from what we receive from the Lord ourselves or from someone else, it says that we should test it. And so we're going to talk tomorrow Um, with part two, about the different ways that we can test a word that we receive. That's a great question. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I am not saying, the question was, what about someone, especially someone who's newer in their faith? How, how would you counsel them in terms of their quiet time and the time they spent with God? Because don't they need to catch up a bit in terms of learning about who God is and what he does? Um, the answer is, I think we should all be doing both all the time. We shouldn't stop studying. We shouldn't stop reading devotional books. We shouldn't stop studying the Bible. Study time is good, but it's not the same as personal intimate time. If I told my wife that I wanted to have a date night, you see where this is going. And I spent that whole date night reading a book, how do you think my wife would feel? Not loved. Maybe rejected. Maybe like, what's the point of this date night? Now, God does not feel those things to you. That's what the analogy breaks down. Okay? But he does love it when you approach him just to be with him. He loves that. It is very important for our relationship with God to spend time with God for his sake and not ours, without an agenda. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Does that make sense? So we need both. And someone who is new in the Lord needs an extra amount of discipleship. They need people to walk the path with them, to help to show them from situation to situation what the Spirit of God is saying. But that's why it's so important to teach someone how to hear the voice of God as soon as possible so that they can start to be able to do that on their own. But the answer is both. We need to spend time, personal time, relational time with God, and also uh, study time. Yeah. Okay, so let's say Yes. Yes. How, how do you switch from one personal relationship to the other if you're not familiar with them that much? Um, first, I would say, just ask God. God, how do I relate to you as lover? What does that even mean? Because it sounds weird. Right? God, what does this mean for me? How do you want to relate to me as this? And he'll, he'll do that with you in your personal time with him, and that's where study comes in as well. You could figure out, what, is, what does the Bible say about God as our lover? Look up those verses. Read what it is. Meditate on those. Bring those to the Lord in your prayer time. Say, God, this is what this verse says. What does it mean? How does this apply to me? Does that make sense? Um, So some of these, especially ones that we haven't experienced that much, we need to put a little more effort into and and figure out, all right, God, what does this mean for me? What does it mean? Some, Some people have no idea how to relate to him as almighty God. That's just something they've never really done. They, they say it, it's in the creeds, they, 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 they believe it, but they've never really related to him in that way. And so we just, we ask him and he does it. It's, it's part of the personal relationship. Um, so we don't hear God because we're not tuning into the right frequency. We're not listening in, in the different areas. We don't hear God because we're listening primarily for information and not for the intimacy, not for the personal stuff that he wants to say, which is most of what he wants to say to us. We also don't hear God because we tend to listen for words. Most of the time when we're asking God to speak to us, we're expecting him to use words. And very often he does not. Very often God does not use words when he communicates to us. Why? Because a lot of intimate communication is nonverbal. Okay, let's say, where's Levi at? Is he still around? 
Let's say Levi walks in the room, and we're like, Levi, how's it going? He goes, fine. He says the word fine. That's it, one word. What does that mean? Fine could mean anything. So how do we figure out what he means? Well, we look at tone of voice. Did he say fine, or did he say fine? Big difference, right? Big difference. Nonverbal communication. Did he sigh? <sighs> fine. That means something different. Nonverbal communication. Now, the better you know someone, the more you pick up on the nonverbal communication, right? So someone who knows Levi very well, he might walk in, you're like, how you doing? He's like, oh, fine. <laughs> Half the room is like, oh, no, and you're praying for him. And other people are like, that's just Levi. He's sarcastic. He's probably having a great day. Because you know him. You have a relationship with him, so you know how to interpret what he said, even though he only said one word. So most of the communication there was nonverbal. Think about someone you have a really close relationship with, like a parent, a best friend, spouse, something like that. They might be across the room, and you look at them, and you know there's something wrong. They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. No one else in that room would ever possibly pick up on it. But because you know them so well, you know there's something wrong. Right? Anybody ever experienced that before? Okay? That is intimate communication. Intimate communication is largely nonverbal. The better you know someone, the more nonverbal communication becomes important. And so we're, we're, we're missing a lot of what God's saying because we're only listening for words revealed to our brain, our mind. God can also speak to our body, our spirit, our emotions, and our will, along with our mind. Lots of different things. Some of you have probably experienced God speaking to your will. Have you ever been in a room or a setting like this, and you feel like God wants you to talk to somebody? Anybody ever experienced that? That is God speaking directly to your will. He is giving you the will, the desire to do something that you didn't desire to do a second ago. He's speaking to your will and saying he's making you want to go talk to that person. That is God speaking to you. There are no words, but God is speaking to you. Does that make sense? So a lot of times we don't hear what he's saying because we're not listening to the right stuff. We're only listening for words. We're not listening for this intimate communication that he wants to have. And Romans 8, 26 and 27 talks about how the spirit, when he, the spirit intercedes through us, he does it in groanings too deep for words, right? That's a lot of the communication. A great prayer to pray to God if you're really frustrated is, Ugh! that is a fantastic prayer. Because in that groan, God understands everything that you mean and everything that you feel, okay? We don't need to get hung up on words, but we come from the West, and we're post-enlightenment, and everything's about our brain and our intellect and how much we understand, how much we can read, the citations we have on our notes. Like, God's not like that, okay? He will speak to our brains. Absolutely, he will. But he is not limited to that. And so that's why, that's one of the reasons why you see people from other countries who are moving in God like crazy. God is speaking to them all the time. It's because they're not only listening to God in one specific way. They're trying to have a relationship with God in every way that he wants to have a relationship with. One of my favorite things in the world, I'm a dad, I have three kids. One of my favorite things in the world is when one of my kids crawls up into my lap for no reason and just snuggles. One of my absolute favorite things on planet Earth. Okay? Okay? One of the kids crawls up into my lap and snuggles. They do not say a word. I do not say a word. There is no verbal communication taking place at all in that moment. 
And yet, the communication that is happening in that moment is powerful. Okay? When they are in my lap, I am communicating to them my fatherhood, my love, my affection, my protection. Okay? I might kiss their head or pet their hair or something like that, just snuggle them up. They don't have to say a word. They're just enjoying me. They're enjoying dad. They're enjoying my presence. Okay? And I, as the dad, love that. I don't stare at them and say, now, give me in eloquent words a great prayer or speech or something like that. I could care less. I'd rather them not talk in that moment because the moment is perfect, just the way it is. Okay? If I, as a dad, enjoy that with my kids, how much more will your heavenly father enjoy that when you do it with him? We need to, and this is the main point, everything I've said, we need to spend more time with God without an agenda. Ironically, the best way to learn how to hear God's voice is to not actively say or listen to anything. We spend time with God for his sake, and that's it. And he wants us to, doesn't doesn't he deserve that? Doesn't God deserve to spend some time with us just for his sake, where we don't have an agenda, we don't have a list, we don't have a plan, we don't have a demand. God loves it when we ask him things. He loves it when we make requests. He loves all of that, and he tells us to do that in his word. Absolutely, 100%. But that's all we do so often, okay? How much time do we spend just with the Lord and nothing else? He wants us to spend that kind of time with him. Um, Let's try it out, as long as we're here. Let's try it out. Um, we're going to take, I don't know, three or four minutes. Don't, don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just be with God. Now, if there is a relation, uh, an aspect of one of the relational aspects of your relationship with God that you gravitate towards, go ahead and think about that. Okay, if it, I'm a very visual person. If it helps you to visualize Jesus sitting next to you or, or you climbing up into daddy's lap, that's what I do. I climb up into daddy's lap and snuggle in and spend a couple minutes with him. Okay. If, that, if that helps you, go ahead and do that. But we're going to spend just a couple minutes now with God, no agenda, no plan. We're just going to sit in his presence. And if you get distracted, by if I mean when, don't worry about it. Okay? As Graham Cook likes to say, if your mind wanders, just wander after it and bring it back. It's not a big deal. There's no condemnation. Okay? There's no condemnation here. So I'm going to play, pray a quick prayer, and then we're going to do this. Just spend time with God. Father, we thank you for how awesome you are. We thank you that you want to speak to us. We thank you that you want us to spend time with you for no other reason than to spend time with you. And so, Lord, we're going to do that now for a few minutes. We thank you you are right inside of us, Holy Spirit. We don't have to beg you to come. You're right here. We're going to spend some time with you right now.
how do sheep learn how to hear the voice of a shepherd? You know? <coughs> At the beginning, we talked about how Jesus said, he is our shepherd, we are his sheep. And his sheep learn to hear his voice. So we can all do that. But how? How do sheep learn how to hear the voice of their shepherd? They're dumb. Remember? Do they study the grammar and syntax and phonology of the shepherd's language in order to better understand what the shepherd's talking about? Do they take a course on seven easy steps to hear the voice of your shepherd? (laughs) Do they study the mathematical frequency of the pitch at which the shepherd talks so that they can recognize that versus something else? No. Sheep, they're dumb. They can't do anything. A sheep learns how to hear the voice of their shepherd by spending time with their shepherd. That is it. It is not rocket science. It is the easiest thing in the world. A sheep can do it. They spend time with their shepherd, all their time with their shepherd. They don't talk to the shepherd. They just sit there. Does that make sense? As sheep, and they're not even actively listening or trying to learn. They're not taking notes. Okay? As sheep are in the presence of their shepherd all the time, day after day, week after week, month after month, they accidentally learn how to hear and recognize their shepherd's voice. Literally. It's an accident. They're too dumb to do it on purpose. Okay? What we just did, you can call it the practice of the presence of God or practicing intimacy. It's not a formula or a magic trick. It's, it's just a discipline. It's a discipline of spending time with God without an agenda. And that is one of the best ways to learn how to hear God's voice. We spend time with him without talking, without demanding anything. We just spend time in him. We don't even have to actively listen. That's the beauty of this. Okay, Sheep learn how to hear their voice the shepherd's voice, just by being in his presence. If you guys can do what we just did regularly, it's going to change your life completely. I'm not joking about that. Okay. Again, this is not a formula. It's just practicing intimacy with God. The problem is that in America, in the West, but in America in, in particular, we have to fill every silence with words or with a worship song or with a book or with something. We have to fill every void. Okay? Some of that is a fear of intimacy, which is something God can probably cure you of. Um, but we don't need to do that. We can spend time with God just for the sake of spending time with God. We don't need to have an agenda. We don't need to even talk. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't do any of this. I'm saying do what we just did for a couple minutes, several times a day throughout your day. I shoot for six times a day, like three minutes each. That's 18 minutes of nothing. Okay? It's not a huge commitment, 18 minutes of nothing, and it's totally changed my life in every way, (laughs) okay? And don't hear that as a legalistic thing, that i got to do this six times a day. But if, if you want to try to do this a few times a day for just a few minutes in a month, I swear to you, your life will be different. I guarantee it. If if I'm wrong, I'll give you 100 bucks. No joke. $100 out of my pocket if I'm wrong. If you do this every day, a few times a day, just for a few minutes, just sit with God and don't do anything else, 
even if you're distracted half the time. Okay, Brother Lawrence, the guy who wrote the book called The Practice of the Presence of God, which I highly recommend, by the way, he said, at first, he often spent an entire prayer time rejecting distraction and then falling immediately back into them. An entire prayer time. The whole four minutes, or however long he spent. Probably more. He was Catholic. Um, eh, some people are more devoted than others. So, that's okay. There's no condemnation. Okay? If we get distracted, that's okay. Like Paul was saying, when a baby learns to walk and falls on their face, do we yell at them? You stupid idiot baby! Urgh. Why don't you walk right? No! That's what a crazy person would do. God is not a crazy person. God is a loving father who makes this loving father look like a jerk. Because he's so good. And he's so loving. So when you fall on your face, don't worry about it. It's okay. He loves you. Get over that. Okay. Spend time with God. Just a few minutes without an agenda. Several times a day if you can. If you do that for a month, I guarantee you, it'll totally change your life. I guarantee you, at the end of the month, you will have a greater sense of the presence of God in your life than you've ever experienced before. I guarantee that you will have an easier time hearing God's voice than you have ever had in your life. You're going to see a surge in you of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're going to sense God's presence throughout the day, all the time. You're going to experience greater victory over sin in your life and, and a host of other things. These things are all available to us through our relationship with God. But so often we fill up our relationship with God with all this stuff that we do, like Martha. Mary just sat there. She just sat at Jesus' feet. And the more you can spend time, day after day, week after week, it only takes three weeks to build a good habit. It only takes three weeks. Try to do this every day for three weeks. After that three weeks or a month, it's going to change everything, I promise. It is, it's incredible. I mean, I can't, I'm sensing the heart of God for this right now. I'm trying not to cry because <laughs> he really likes you, like a lot, like a lot. He just wants to spend time with you. That's what he wants, and he deserves it, I think. And he knows that the best thing for us in our lives is to spend more time with him and to draw closer to him. So I encourage you. It's, it's great to learn how to hear God's voice better, but I think this was the real purpose of the message tonight. Um, learning how to hear God's voice better is great. But he wants to be closer to you. He wants to have that level of intimacy. And if you've never experienced that, if you think this sounds insane or scary, then I encourage you to come up for prayer after we're done. There might be something that God needs to break off, something that's keeping you from approaching him the way he wants to be approached. Does that make sense? Okay. If there's something in your way of coming to God, he wants to get rid of that so that you can come. Remember the prodigal son story? The guy disowns his dad, blows his fortune, spends his time whoring in a pagan country, ends up feeding pigs. He comes to his senses, comes back to his dad, and his dad was waiting at the window for the day his son would someday come down the road. Because it says he saw him from afar off, and he got out and he ran back to that son. 
And he put the ring on his finger right away, the family ring, the signet ring. You are my son. Don't care what you say about it. You're my son. Everybody's going to know it. God loves you like that. He's going to run to you. So if you feel like you've had something in the way, or you feel like there's a distance there, God wants to close that gap. Okay? He wants to be closer to you. He wants that kind of intimacy and that kind of love to exist in your relationship. And one of the best ways to do that that I know of is just to spend more time with him. So that ended up being the sermon. <laughs> um, tomorrow, I expect to talk about hearing the voice of God a little more. Um, I, we got some specific scriptures, some specific things like how do you test a word when you think God has spoken to you. There's a lot of ways to do that. I have an exercise where I can guarantee you you will hear the voice of God when we do this exercise. And if you've never heard God speak to you before, come back. Because you'll hear him speak to you tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Take it away. Yes. We thank you, our Father, our lover, our friend. We thank you, our Master. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for the way you speak to us. We thank you for a different people that you use to speak to us. We thank you for songs. We thank you for words. We thank you for silence. We thank you right now that you can, you can seal in our hearts what has been done. There may yet be something that you need, and like Nate said, we'll have people up in the front that are ready to pray, but the, w the way we usually do it is we pray right where we are. We find someone close to us, and I may ask them, would you pray with me that I could hear God's voice or maybe there's a specific need that you have that brought you here and you want prayer for that you can ask somebody next to you we turn this into a prayer time now Father thank you that you taught Nate how to hear your voice clear that he's hearing your voice that he's helping us to hear your voice. So we'll have people up here ready to pray with you. Or you can just turn. Go ahead and turn now. Find somebody next to you, close to you, and just uh, have a moment of prayer. Go ahead. People right next to you. And I'm going to ask a few people to uh, be at ready to pray up front. If you're used to doing that, if you're involved in prayer ministry, I invite you to come up front. And if you desire prayer from one of these, you go ahead and come up. And then we'll be meeting. We've had special times of prayer at 6.30. It's almost not like pre-service prayer. It's almost like prayer. So uh, join us when you can. And then next week again, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday.